Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Ruben Uncut. Into, in today's podcast, Ruben will be reviewing some leftover Halloween scary movies for uh, for you, our listening audience. And hold it right there, buddy! I'm sorry? I'm sorry, who are you? That's me, the, the spirit of Thanksgiving yet to come! Um, are you a turkey in a pilgrim hat? What do you expect me to look like? Oh, oh, okay, calm down. What uh, what seems to be a problem? I'm tired of this. Being trapped in between Halloween and Christmas as they consume the months. What about me? What about Thanksgiving? Where's my recognition? Okay, let's just calm down. It's just, we don't have any, we didn't have any Thanksgiving movies to review. Those are my month, damn it. Give me some goddamn respect. Okay, buddy, let's just calm down here. I, I'm sorry, but, you know, he, he saw some scary movies. We just, you know, tie it back into Halloween just ended. I don't care. But enough, I've got Christmas nipping at my heels. But you got Halloween eating into my month, too, now? Okay, okay, let's just, let's just relax. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just, you know. Movies tend to be more either Halloween or Christmas oriented. They're just more movie type of holidays, you know. People go see movies on my holiday too. Well, yeah, but they're not like specifically Thanksgiving movies, you know. It's... Why don't we change that? Oh, really? Do you have do you have a Thanksgiving movie you'd like to pitch to me? Of course. What about a nice movie where the family get together for Thanksgiving and they? Full of lots of family drama. That sounds... Actually, i got to be honest with you. Spirit of uh, Thanksgiving, that sounds uh, terribly unwatchable. What? Family drama is the breadstone of cinema. Well, yeah, maybe a few years ago. But, like, people don't go to the movies to be reminded that they don't want to talk to their family. How dare you? Ah... Well, I'm just, you know, why don't you spice it up a little bit? Well, what if, what if the central premise is that uh, someone in the family is, is gay and they're coming out to their family? Oh, okay. I mean, it's still a little hallmarky, you know, a little bit, a little bit hallmark. But you know, like the progressive angle does distance it from the hallmark image a, a little bit. But you know, uh, I don't know. It's still, it's still not really grabbing me. It still sounds too much like my regular, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. And I just, okay, well, well, well here we go. Hear me out. Uh, what if the what if the gay guy's boyfriend is played by John Cena? Okay, okay. Now you've now you've spiked my interest. Okay, John Cena, very funny comedic actor. Uh, will he be hitting the crotch a lot in this movie? Well, well, I, well, I was I was still hoping this could be more about you know like the the power of family coming together. Oh, doesn't sound very uh, very entertaining. I don't. Okay, John Cena can be hitting the crotch a lot. Like a whole lot. Like, every time he's on screen. Okay, okay, I'm back in now. I'm back in. All right, sure. If if you can get that uh, Thanksgiving movie made, I guess Ruben will review it. So Ruben would like to see a movie where John Cena gets hit in the crotch a lot? No, that sounds actually like a movie he's going to hate. But, you know, I, w- I will enjoy hearing him roast your film. Thanksgiving, I get, I get no respect. No respect at all. But I'm sorry. It's just, you know, it's like, I mean, what is your holiday anyways? What are you talking about? It's important. It's about coming together to give thanks for the things that we have. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But, like, in terms of how you celebrate it, aren't you just, like, you know, a rehearsal dinner for Christmas? How dare you, sir? How dare you? I mean, it's it's literally just, like, the eating food part of Christmas with the hanging out with your family part of Christmas. Only no one gets presents and your uncle, your racist uncle is still there. I just don't see it as being better than Christmas. In fact, it seems like it's Christmas without the things that make Christmas tolerable. How dare you? How dare you? Well, Christmas is not normally known for the turkey feast. Well, yeah, no, because turkey sucks. What? What? I'm sorry. I just, you know, it's a known fact that everyone, the people deep fry turkeys, risk burning down their house by deep frying turkeys to get away from how terrible turkey tastes. It's a fact. Oh, I've, I've never, never been so offended in all of my life. 
Look, I'm sorry, man, but you know, you, your holiday's also a little bit about genocide. God damn you and your woke agenda ruining Thanksgiving! Oh, wait, no, come back, come back. Well, he's gone now. I guess we'll get back to the show. Welcome to the show. Hey, 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 it's time for some movie reviews. Movie reviews, movie reviews. Let's do some movie reviews. All right, welcome back to Ruben and Cut. Yeah, I know tomorrow when you're hearing this, well, actually, most of you will probably listen to this in the weeks following, which is actually why I'm not making this a get out and vote episode, uh, because it would arrive one day before election and most of you wouldn't hear until after you vote. So I know, I know how my numbers work, but here we are. But today, I do have some movie reviews because I did watch some movies. Now, to be fair, some of these are a roundup of Halloween. And by that, I mean scary movies that I didn't watch before Halloween. And those two movies will be Barbarian and VHS 99. But I'll also throw in a quick review bonus here for the movie Clean, starring Adrian Brody. All right, you know, let's get let's get VHS 99 out of the way here, okay? All right, so I'll be honest. I haven't seen all the VHS movies, but I did see the first VHS movie a while ago, and I ha- and I just recently saw the most recent VHS movie called VHS 99. And now, if you're not familiar with the series of VHS movies, essentially they're found footage horror compilation or anthology movies. Um, now, the first movie, they had a, had a bunch of up-and-coming horror directors whose names are actually kind of recognizable today, if you look at them, uh, basically make a bunch of shorts. Now, that movie had a actually a very solid framing device, which is that the movie starts off with a bunch of people uh, breaking into an old abandoned house, and they've got their cameras, and they're going through the house, and they find this place that's full of VHS tapes. And that's the framing device for the anthology. Uh, is that each of the each of the VHS tapes has progressively more horrific found footage tales of terror on them. Now, for those not familiar, found footage is well, I mean, I guess there's there's real found footage like lost media stuff, but when it comes to the genre of film, found footage refers to a movie that is set up to look as if it is real footage that has been discovered many years later. And you watch it and you're like, oh, my God, I'm never going to that Blair Witch Woods again. Ah. And, and, and that's, that's sort of the whole idea. Um, now, I remember some of the, the first VHS movie. And you know what? I, th- I thought I was pretty good. I thought I was, uh, I thought it was effective. And, and entertaining and and whatnot and uh, VHS ninety nine is uh, it's it's well it's okay it's okay it's an okay movie uh, that suffers from one significant step down in overall quality and storytelling uh, which is that the framing device is weak like. Real, real weak. Like, doesn't even work as a framing device. Like, I I found it entertaining that we cut to all these strange uh, stop-motion animations of somebody playing with toy soldiers before it eventually elaborated on what the actual story was there. But I have to say that it doesn't make... The main framing device storyline doesn't make any sense as a framing device like why why are all these other things intercut on this tape with this with this framing device why are these on the same tape together like in the first movie it makes sense oh they've broken into this house and they're finding all these vhs tapes like you can you can connect the dots but the framing device in VHS 99 just 
it, it, it's not anything like like if you stop to think about it for a second you'll just be like but 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 why where did this footage come from how was it found i mean you guess you could say oh that's part of the mysterious nature of it but like then why have a framing device at all it, it, the framing device merely becomes an element of structure to the movie and but the structure doesn't necessarily enhance it like at the very end, like near the end of the movie, we we cut back to the framing device after its final conclusion, and it's like, well, yeah, but if I think about the framing device in the context of this whole movie, then there's a lot of things that don't make sense. Now, to be fair, the individual uh, shorts are all fine. Uh, they're entertaining. They have uh, decent horror elements. Um, not many of them stick in my memory as well as the first movie, bizarrely enough, which I saw many years ago. VHS 99 is, it's okay. Uh, like the, in, VHS 99 is a movie whose, whose some of the parts are actually greater than the whole. As a whole, it's very eh. But like the individual shorts themselves are okay. They're they're decent little fun distractions. I didn't recognize the names of any of the directors. Who knows? Maybe they'll have some big movies coming out here in the future. I don't know. It just didn't feel as cohesive or as tightly put together as the first VHS movie. Now, I haven't seen the second, and I... I don't know. Actually, I don't know if this is the third or fourth VHS movie that I'm watching. Uh, but like, it just didn't feel. It's just not tight. And if you think about it, it doesn't make sense. If 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 you just want to see some hor- some short horror, uh, and if you just want to see a an okay horror anthology. Then yeah, VHS is 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 okay. It's 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 entertaining. It's not bad. It just it just feels like a less cohesive piece of cinema than the first movie. Now to be fair, I haven't seen the first movie in several years, so maybe I'm even remembering it wrong. But I do remember that the framing device made more fucking sense than this one. All right, you know what? I was going to use clean as the bonus one at the end, but you know what? We're going to go Barbarian last because the Barbarian is the one I'm going to give rave reviews to. So let's do clean. Now, clean is a movie that came out last year. Now, this one is not a horror movie, although it will be horrifying to some. Uh, The sensitive of souls. Uh, But clean is another... um, Clean is an impossible man movie. I don't know if you've heard of the impossible man trope before. I actually just watched a video on it a couple months ago. Actually, no, wait. Oh God, it was a couple months ago. Time is flying by. But uh, we've all seen impossible man movies. I think the equalizer, think John wick, think man on fire. Hell actually, you know, think Logan to a certain extent. It has a lot of the tropes. So the impossible man, of course, is the idea of this man who has extremely specialized skills and a heavy background. And normally this man finds himself in a position where he's got to be the one to met out the violent uh, actions that only they can take. Now, these types of movies, of course, play into a specific power fantasy, which is just the idea that we live in a horrible world that's full of assholes who are violent, terrible people. Wouldn't it be nice if one of those violent, terrible assholes had the decency or self-awareness to one day wake up and be like, you know what, I'm going to hunt the other predators. I'm going to use my violence to hunt down those who are violent and dangerous in our society. Now, a lot of times now a lot of a lot of movies this will be tied into some type of i mean it all plays out differently depending on how that people want to portray the characters i would almost refer to this as the benevolent barbarian no 
intended reference to the following movie. But the benevolent barbarian trope. In this movie, uh, we have Adrian Brody playing a former, former criminal who gave up a life of crime when his daughter took his heroin and died. And uh, now he's in like a halfway program and he's working as a, uh, he's working as a, a garbage man. Now, of course, as the movie progresses, he will be, find himself being drawn more closely into a violent way of life in order to protect a source of innocence. Now, this is a big thing in the Impossible Man movies, uh, which is that the Impossible Man will frequently be driven to, out of either a sense of revenge for someone who was good, who didn't deserve to die, see the Marv story from, uh, see the Marv story from, from Sin City. It's actually... All the stories in Sin City are, are a variation on an Impossible Man story. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, <laughs> uh, think now. Actually, you know, I just saw another movie recently called Jolt on uh, on uh, on Amazon that was actually pretty good, and it was basically an Impossible Man story, uh, but with a woman protagonist. Uh, I thought it was actually really good. I had some twists at the end that sort of takes it away from the tropes. You know what? Fuck it. We're, we're reviewing Jolt, too. But let me finish with Clean. Uh, so, Clean is... Uh, the thing about Clean is that Clean is a bunch of well-done, unoriginal stuff. Like, if you... Thing, if you go into movies and suddenly the tropes start popping out at you and you're like, oh, God, I've seen this movie before, then then clean is probably not going to be for you. If, if you but if you go into a movie and you're like you see a movie hitting the tropes and you're like, oh, well, that's fun, then clean could be for you because clean does go around hitting the tropes. He's he's a guy with a secret background. He's got a girl whose innocence he's trying to protect and her grandmother whose life he's also trying to protect. He's going up against Russian mobsters and he's got a he's got a specialized dark background. Uh he's got a bunch of remorse he's trying to get over. He's got uh and he's even got a specialized weapon. Uh not all not all impossible men have a specialized weapon, but it is not uncommon. His is of course um, a monkey wrench. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. He has a, he has a big ass monkey wrench that he just fucking smashes people in the face with. Uh, and you know he goes around smashing people in the face with the, with the, uh, with the monkey wrench. And it's, and the whole thing has a little bit of a noir vibe. He's constantly narrating the story, so it's got some noir. He has sort of those neo noir elements. So yeah, clean is clean is not bad. Clean is just clean is just it almost it plays out as if Adrian Brody was like, "Hey, that seems like a fun type of movie to make. I'd really like to make that type of movie sometime." And so he did. And you know what? I don't really think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. There's clearly a market for this type of film. This type of power fantasy has its uh, audience and its enjoyability. I mean, after all, we all love John Wick, which is itself an impossible man story about a guy with a specialized background who goes on a killing spree after uh, mobsters kill his dog, the last reminder of his dead wife. His dead wife and the dog, of course, representing the innocence of the world that these predators threaten. Because that is the whole idea. The idea of the fantasy is the world is full of predators and, and things that threaten the everyday average innocent person. Wouldn't it be great if one of these less innocent people made the world less full of those of other predators? And that's that's what these movies are about. And at a certain point, you know. It all comes down to how satisfyingly uh, and entertainingly 
that person will exact their acts of uh, hunting other predators. Uh, I guess maybe maybe we could call it the apex predator trope. Because that's essentially what it comes down to. Now, this is a lot more grounded and and this is a lot more grounded movie than John Wick. I want to be upfront with you. It's not it doesn't have that stylized comic book fun that goes into John Wick. This is a a more serious, more grounded affair. Um, so don't go into it th- expecting like that level of more exaggerated fun that comes with John Wick. This is this is a grittier, more grounded type of or of deal which will make it harder for some people to get into than for other people is the film terribly original i would have to go with not really but it is well done at least in my opinion and i did find it entertaining as tropey as it was were there parts of the movie where i felt like i could sort of zone out and still know what's happening yes yes absolutely because you kind, because once all the pieces are in play, you kind of, if you're familiar with the tropes of the genre, you kind of know how a lot of it's going to play out. At the end of the day, there are only still a couple of questions that will be in your mind because, well, uh, these types of movies tend to end only a couple of different ways. <laughs> I won't, I won't give away how this one particularly ends, um, but. Just be aware, you know, if you if you're familiar with the tropes of the genre, then it's not going to be a hard movie to follow or predict. It's not complicated and it doesn't have. And its subtext is basically just a, you know, a thoughtful meditation on violence. Um, There's even a part in the film where it's mentioned that even though the character was was a heroin addict that violence itself was also part of what got used to get him high. In fact, he actually says that the the high of violence is even better than dope. Um, But it's clear that violence and dope are things he wants to move away from. And does he think that saving this girl and her... He also definitely thinks that saving this girl and her grandmother is his way to redeem himself for that time that his daughter stole and did his heroin. Possibly even for his life as a former violent criminal. But the movie plays out relatively satisfyingly. The villain is okay. It has some... There are a couple elements it has in common with John Wick, besides being... um, besides being in the same impossible man type of power fantasy. The whole thing is... Honestly, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But it is hard for me to... But it's hard for me to to sit here and, like, totally recommend it. Because, well, basically, I I have seen all of this before. Did I enjoy it here? Did I like watching Adrian Brody go through it? Did I enjoy seeing him go to a pawn shop where he interacts with the RZA? Oh, yeah. No, I had a good time. And I feel like Adrian Brody probably had a good time, too. If this movie sounds appealing to you, then I'd recommend it. It is uh, a derivative, if entertaining, thoughtful meditation on violence. All right. Since I mentioned it, I'll just say this. I also do do recommend Jolt, which is also an impossible man story, except starring a woman. Jolt is on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Prime original, I'm pretty sure. And stars uh, Kate Beckinsale. You know, proven that women still can make kick-ass action movies. And Jolt is essentially about a a woman who uh, has a violent disorder where if she is ma- where if uh, her anger is triggered uh she will essentially go ape shit on people and fuck them up uh she's stronger than average people because her bodies are producing extra um uh what is that uh extra types of adrenaline i forget what they 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 say the names of the types of adrenaline in the movie 
um, that give her uh, pretty, that make her pretty freakishly strong in her moments of rage. So basically, she halts out a bit. Now, she also happens to wear a whole bunch of zappy things that uh, the only thing that can control her urge to slam someone's head into a wall repeatedly is to zap herself with electricity, which is why it's called jolt. And so she's going through her whole life trying to deal with this shit. Um, and trying to have a normal, normal life. And one day, she goes on a successful date. She meets this guy. He seems like the greatest guy in the world. Next thing she knows, he's been murdered. Now, there are some ways, of course, that this film differentiates from the typical impossible man tropes. In fact, the ending actually has um, quite a reversal of some of the tropes. But in a way, that's because this is sort of kind of, if I had to describe it, I would say that this is like the feminist version of the story from Sin City with Marv. Now, those of you who are not familiar with the story of Sin City uh, featuring the character Marv, because it, it is a uh, anthology anthology movie also. Um, but the Marv story basically goes like this. A guy who is an outcast of society, but also a giant jack dude who is known for fighting people one day is at the bar when this woman who is impossibly beautiful for him like a woman who would never look at give him the time of day uh gives him the time of day and sleeps with him when he wakes up she's been murdered and he he is so enamored with this act of kindness that this beautiful woman would would give her body to an ugly monster like him that he decides he needs to know, not just because he's been framed for the murder, he could disappear, he's a nobody. But he decides he needs to find out why this woman was murdered and proceeds to kill his way to the top of a conspiracy. And that's, that's kind of what Jolt is. Now, like I said, there are some things in the movie that sort of... Uh, the movie does make some very different choices at the key points of the plot than, than the Marv story. For a number of reasons. <clears throat> but honestly, Jolt is a Jolt is a damn good time in this genre. I'll go into spoilers and how it actually ties into Barbarian, but that would mean getting spoilers to both Jolt and Barbarian. And we're not gonna do that. But I will say is that Jolt Jolt is a Jolt is a much more fun movie than Clean. Um it definitely has a lot more its energy leans more towards that um exaggerated John Wick energy. Um, honestly, I thought Jolt was a good time. I thought Jolt was a good time. Definitely recommend. Technically, I recommend Clean too, but only to people who enjoy seeing the tropes. I was because the piece to resist aunts, the scariest movie I saw this year. I saw some de- some, and I saw some decent fucking horror movies this year. Nope was great. Um, Nope was great. Uh. Prey, I, I Prey wasn't super scary, but I did love it. Um, I just reviewed some horror movies, and they're escaping my mind. Uh, but I will say, I found Barbarian the scariest movie this year that I saw. And the the thing that's fucked up is I can't even really tell you what Barbarian is about because, and I do recommend going into it. Knowing as little as possible. Um, I'll get. I'll tell you how the movie starts, and I'll tell you how the movie starts because just to give you an idea. Now, because I don't, and I'll talk. I'll talk about this stuff in the spoilers, but I don't want to give away too much Barbarian because a big thing about what makes Barbarian effectively scary for me is that you spend a lot of the movie where the movie is making it unclear of where danger is coming from. And in all honesty, that's the point, at least in my analysis of the film. In Barbarian, there the film, it is a movie that was constantly expanding in its scope for me. At the beginning of the movie, the movie is clearly setting us up in an unusual situation, making issues scary in it, and definitely putting it in a way where, like, it feels like danger is coming from various sources. 
and you're not quite clear on what those where the sources of danger actually are until they come at you for real there's lots of red uh I, I, hell even saying there's lots of red herrings feel like giving away too much but the film slowly undermines undermined my expectations as it went along it's got it's got a lot going on and i definitely definitely recommend barbarian if you like a good scary movie so how does barbarian so i said i would i said i would synopsize the beginning of barbarian and i'll tell you a little bit more about that there are essentially three main characters well, I'll, I'll put it that way for now because I don't want to give away any spoilers. But at the beginning of the movie, we are met with two characters. Um, our hero, uh, one of our main characters. I oh my god! I'm, you know what? I'm gonna pull up the. I'm gonna pull up the cast. They deserve. They all did a good job. They deserve to have their names, actually read. All right. So, the essentially the the three. That can't be right. This is character. Not... Okay, so essentially, Georgina Campbell, playing a character named Tess Marshall, shows up at at a uh, shows up at a house that is meant to be uh, where she is the Airbnb she is staying at for uh, for a job interview, and when she shows up. To her surprise, there is already a man staying there, played by Bill Skarsgård, apparently having booked the same house on a different Airbnb-type app. Whoever whoever is renting out the house has accidentally, seemingly, rented it to both of them by accident. Or have they? Um, he invites her to stay in the Airbnb with him. And from there, shit gets weird. And just progressively elevates. I actually have a lot to say about this. And what I think about this movie. Unfortunately, that's all going to be in the spoilers. We're going to move that to the spoilers. I actually don't know if I'm going to bother giving spoilers um, to, uh, to clean or... Um, or VHS 99. I actually think I've said everything I really want to say about those movies. They're not bad. I just, I, I enjoyed, they were entertaining. Uh, I, I mean, I, the, the framing device in VHS 99 bothered me, but um, overall it was fine. Uh, clean. Um, clean is something that's up my alley. I enjoy those types of films. I like the idea of predators hunting other predators. But that being said, um, while I did consider the film a sort of thoughtful meditation, a thoughtful meditation on violence, I don't really necessarily know if I have anything specific to say about the analysis of that statement. It's, I enjoyed it. It was fine. Is John Wick uh, a better, more entertaining movie? Yes. Yes, it is. Could I recommend John Wick to more people? Yes. Yes, I could. This movie is only for people who are okay with something being gritty and serious and neo-noirish. Jolt, Jolt is a blast. And I will talk some more about Jolt, but only because some of the themes of Jolt also tie into the themes of Barbarian. Ooh, I know, right? Oh, the other main character in uh, in Barbarian is Justin Long, who um, joins the story in progress after what takes place between Bill and Georgina. All right. So we're going to have the commercial break now. And after the commercial break will be the spoiler section, um, which of course you are free to make your own decisions about listening to. But if I'm keeping it real with you, I really do. I recommend seeing both Jolt and Barbarian before I spoil them. Um, Joel has a decent twist and, uh, and I, while I, I found Barbarian a lot scarier, not knowing where the danger was actually coming from. I feel like knowing where the danger is coming from Barbarian will kind of 
undermines some of the more suspenseful, scary elements of the film. So I do recommend it's on HBO Max. Barbarian, that is. Jolt is on Amazon Prime. Clean is on Hulu. And VHS 99 is on Shudder. Shudder. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Shudder's pretty cool, although their limitations on uh, resolution are interesting. Uh, someone was just pointing that out to me the other day. <clears throat> Wait, Barbarian's still in... Oh, Barbarian is also still in theaters. Um... Actually, oh shit, I could have gone to the action movie theater near my house to see this. Damn. Uh, Barbarian is also still in theaters, apparently. Um, If you think movies are scarier in theaters, you can go see it there. But it is also on HBO Max for those of us who are poor shut-ins. So yes, definitely recommend Barbarian. Definitely recommend Jolt. And the other two movies... Are I only recommend to fans of the genre. If you like what you're hearing, please uh, like, subscribe, or do whatever it is on the podcast uh, podcast source of your choice. To uh, I need to come. Apparently, I'm on Bean Pod now, which I did not put myself there. So I guess I have to go try and claim it in case they're trying to make money off of me without my consent. But apparently, last 30 days, 7% of my audience has been listening to whatever the hell Beanpot is. Uh, so I better get on that. I mean, I'm on that. I mean, I better get on to seeing if they're stealing my money. Side note, I don't actually make much money from this. I, I joke about it, but, like, I, I have, I've earned, like, in terms of ads and donations, I've earned, like, $17 this year. <laughs> so, like, don't, no one's getting rich here. Which is actually why Beanpod better not be stealing my money somehow. Uh, but uh, I don't know how Beanpod system works. But they highly advertise monetization. I am getting way off track here. My point is, if you like this podcast, please, uh, you know, give whatever type of positive feedback your source for podcasts allows. Uh, because I know that not all podcast sources have the same type of feedback mechanisms. If you want to message the show, please email me at rubenuncut at gmail.com. Or you can uh, leave a voice message on my Anchor. So go to anchor.fm, ruben-ryan, to leave a voicemail. It can only be a minute, so please try and make your hatred of me concise. All right. Now for an ad break, and then spoilers. Uh, real quick before we go into the, com- uh, the commercial break, um, I, I do want to say that I do heavily recommend Barbarian, but I do just want to warn uh, people thematically Barbarian touches a lot on things like uh, sexual assault. Um, even uh, there are no women who are sexually assaulted on camera in, in the film, but it's heavily implied that these events happen off camera or um, – it's heavily implied that these events could occur on camera or and have definitely occurred off camera. Um, but so just be aware that uh, sexual politics is a big part of the film and it's, it's overall subtext. Um, mo- so just I highly recommend it as a horror film, but it's definitely not going to be for everyone because of that. Okay, we're in the spoiler section now. If you're listening to this before seeing the movies, I'm about to spoil. That is on you at this point, and I really do recommend that you see these movies. After all, I'm only giving spoilers for the movies that I thought were really worth watching here. I mean, I actually, the other two movies were okay. All right, so right off the bat, let's just talk about Jolt real quick. So Jolt is, of course, the impossible man trope, but with a uh, with Kate Beckinsale hulking out everywhere. Um, it's a damn good time. Now, the thing about, the thing about Jolt is that uh, it has a feminist twist at the end where it turns out the guy who she thought was a decent, beautiful man who she was falling in love with, um, turns out to be an agent for the CIA who was using her to get her to assassinate, um, to assassinate this uh this 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 very uh, this untouchable criminal dude and that's 
that's the twist because at the end of the day it's it is about it is a movie largely about men trying to use this woman's gifts for themselves now to be fair susan sarandon is also trying to use this woman's gifts for herself uh but uh but yeah and uh i actually don't know why i bothered to spoil that because oh i know that's right it ties into what barbarian is about so the big question when going into the movie barbarian that you're probably going to be asking is who in this movie is the barbarian and that's a good question that's a good question there's there's a number of different possible suspects uh when we first meet bill skarsgård's character there's a heavy implication that he might be the barbarian in fact a lot of the terror early on is that he is uh, is is the concern like natural the movie plays into a natural woman's concern that they are in a place with a with a man they don't know who could easily be a murderer or rapist and the film puts this into us we feel this in her interactions with bill skarsgård now as the film reveals on is that bill skarsgård was never a source of danger he is in fact arguably the only decent dude he is one of only two semi-decent dudes in the movie. The rest of the men in the movie, of course, kind of monsters. Or assholes. Or just don't listen to women. However, it has to be noted that throughout the film, the concept of not listening to women is a reoccurring theme. It even happens between female characters where a female character will try to warn another woman that, hey... I don't think you should be in that place. That's a bad part of town. And she instead proceeds to go back to that part of town. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So is it Justin Long's character, the barbarian? Many will argue that yes, Justin Long's character is the barbarian, even though he is never the source of danger. Kind of. Justin Long's character is still technically in the role of victim in this movie. And the movie has kind of a point about that. In fact, you know what? I better... Let's just talk about Justin Long's character here for a minute. So Justin Long's character is a crucial element to the, to the film and its sort of metaphors and, and what it is going forward. Because Justin Long is an actor... Is an, act, is an up-and-coming actor who is who has gotten connected to a TV pilot. And he is excited, and it's going to go big. And he, his career is about to take off. And then his co-star accuses him of raping her. Now, it should be noted, and maybe I should have warned, maybe I should have put some warning of this in the other, on the other part of the... Uh, of the review. Maybe I should have warned people. Oh, I should have warned people that this is what the barbarian is a lot about. <sighs> barbarian is a lot about gender politics and sexual assault elements to it. I, I probably should have warned people about that. Um, but it is. It's, it's heavily about that. So right there. Justin Long's character is someone who has committed a sexual assault. And he is someone who is processing that. Now, in his mind, it wasn't a sexual assault because, sure, the girl needed some convincing, but she eventually agreed, not recognizing this as a violation of the initially established boundaries. Or is it? Or is Justin Long's character just really good at rationalizing his bad behavior to himself. The arguments for Justin Long being the barbarian are right out there in front. As the film progresses, a number of things occur. So first, oh my God, there's so many elements here that I need to explain to get into, I need to go over to get into where I'm going with these analysis. So, okay, so that is the beginning setup Justin Long. He comes to Michigan because it turns out he is like the property owners of these buildings that have been renting out as Airbnbs. And so he's coming there to liquidate and sell the house to give himself more runway uh, financially. 
I almost forgot the other the other person who is the other people who are possibly the barbarians. So if you've seen the movie, then you know the thing that is in the basement is in fact the mutant inbred child of a disgusting serial rapist who was kidnapping women and impregnating them in this tunnel system he dug under under the neighborhood under his abandoned neighborhood and that's the sort of monster and arguably that character could be seen as the barbarian but that character is is themselves a victim now the obvious thing here is that the old man this creepy this this creepy serial rapist is also the other suspect for who is the barbarian the movie is talking about because he's easily the most barbaric. In fact, the film makes a distinctive choice of showing us that his actions are so grievously clearly terrible that even Justin Long's character, who is a rapist is horrified by his actions because his level of barbaric behavior so far outstrips Justin Long's Justin Long's character is someone who is a barbarian who has been tempered by civilization. Justin Long's character wants to be a good person. He's not, but he desperately wants to be. He rationalizes away his own shitty actions and his own shitty behaviors because his mind can't handle the concept that he is also a barbarian. He is also very self-involved and kind of stupid. There are a number of th- there are a number of moments throughout the movie where something where he is he blatantly ignores criminally scary red flags that should have warned him that he was putting himself in danger. Red flags that should be noticed that the female character, Georgina's character, uh, picked up on almost right away when being exposed to those red flags. So those are our main possible choices for who are the barbarians. Is it Bill? Is it Justin Long? Is it Everett? Well, it's clearly not Bill's character, who's named something like Toshko. Uh, He's clearly not the barbarian. He's a generally okay dude, who only has the smallest level of misogyny in him. Because that ultimately is what's kind of going on. Barbarian is at the end of the day about that latent misogyny and how we all have it in different levels. Allow me to explain. Who are the barbarians? Men. Men are the barbarians just not all to the same degree. Allow me to elaborate. There is a reoccurring theme throughout the movie of people dying or fucking up a situation because they didn't want to listen to a woman. Even Georgina's character does this. She is in town for a... She's in town to get a job and she goes to the job interview and afterwards the job interviewer finds out where she's staying and she's like oh no don't go back there don't go back there that no and like inside i was just screaming for her to say more about it about like how it's crazy dangerous or something but she just basically is like no you, you shouldn't go there and she's and georgina's like oh no I'll, i can take care of myself and i i've got a roommate i'm not alone even though literally she's in what appears to be an almost completely abandoned neighborhood, like almost completely. Now, Bill Skarsgård's character, when we first meet him, there is a lot of fear put on him. And even the characters discuss the concept of why it's different. Where if there are situations have been released, Georgina would never have let his character into the house. And in fact, for her, the risk was entering the house with him. So when we meet Bill, the truth is, is that Bill is a fairly innocent dude. 
However, the point is, is that as a woman, you can't identify that. Bill is an okay man. Bill is not a bad dude. But the film still treats him at the beginning as if he is a possible threat. Up until the minute Bill died, I was calcul- I Like, literally, as she's trying... I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> Bill would have lived if he had just listened to a woman. That's the thing. Bill's a good dude, but Bill still had a problem. He still had a lack of respect for a woman's concerns. The movie is about listening to women. And when they say that something is wrong. She tells Bill that there's a creepy, creepy, scary room with a video camera. And then there's under in the basement. And it looks like people have been been murdered on the bed. And there's like a bloody, bloody handprint on the wall. And Bill's Bill's rationalizing it away. Oh, a bed and a camera in a basement. That sounds that sounds pretty normal. And Bill's like, okay, look, I'm I'm not going to rush off without seeing this for myself. Classic horror movie mistake. He's like, but I tell you, will you just wait up here to make sure that I don't get locked in? And there's a whole, and the whole sequence is her waiting for him to come back up, him not coming back up, him, her calling after him, and him not, him not answering. So. She descends into the basement and then eventually into the catacombs below to seek out Bill's character, Toshko. I think that's his last name. I can't remember his his first name. Uh, And it's ironically not listed on Google. And the whole time she's doing this, my thoughts were, get the fuck out of this house. He's either in on it or he's dead. He's either in on it or he's dead. Well, she goes after him. And I actually wasn't right about either of those uh, because technically he wasn't in on it, which the point is, is that it's scary because we have no way of knowing that a woman has no way of knowing if a man is truly safe or not. That's the point. It turns out he was safe despite all the red herrings the movie has been giving us about him. He is an okay dude who didn't know what was going on in this basement. And he wasn't technically dead yet when she went after him. He was about to be dead. At which point, uh, we get introduced to Justin Long's character. Justin Long's character comes there. Justin Long's character comes uh, to liquidate the house, to try and save his assets. And also so he can fight the lawsuits that he's going to have to do. And he is alarmed to find that apparently people are staying in his property, unbeknownst to him. And he's just he's just kind of a douche the whole time. Now, he eventually, of course, does make his way to the basement where he gets kidnapped by this horrible, inbred, super strong mutant woman who wants to treat... Uh, who want who wants to kidnap these people and treat them as her new babies because she she grew up just wanting to raise like grew up with a video that was all just about raising babies so that's like her whole fucking world and there is essentially a segment where she essentially sexually assaults Justin Long so she comes to the cage with this disgusting bottle which is full of either her breast milk or like spoiled milk or something to feed Georgina and Justin Long's characters. And Georgina knows what's going on and is like, you just got, you got to, you got to drink from the bottle, man. You got to drink from the bottle or she's going to freak out. And, and Justin is just horrified and he can't deal with it. And he, she sticks the bottle in his face and it's this gross, hairy, almost phallus thing. Like, literally, the nipple looks like the head of a swollen penis. And and she's sticking it in his face, and he won't put it in there. It's got hair on it. He doesn't want to put it in his mouth. And Georgina's like, you have to do it. She's going to freak out. And so she 
So, of course, he doesn't do it. So she freaks out and she drops down in there and she grabs Justin Long and she drags him back to her room because she thinks the baby is rejecting the bottle to breastfeed him. She's significantly stronger than him. And so it's just it's this sequence where she's literally tr- forcing her breast into his mouth. And it's essentially him experiencing a sexual assault the way that a woman might experience a sexual assault, but with its with sort of a regendering of the concept of the sexual of what the sexual assault is accomplishing itself. So this is a thing that his character endures because of his transgressions in in his life. Because you have to understand, horror movies are ultimately morality tales about people being punished for their behavior. That's why Jason hunts horny teenagers. Because at the time, those were the values we were supposed to hate. Doing drugs and hooking up. You know, the best things in life. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> where was I? Right. So Justin along gets, gets, uh, gets sexually assaulted in this manner. And Georgina escapes while this is happening. And she is determined that, because her character is a good person. She is the least barbaric person. In fact, her mistake might be, is in fact, that she goes for help at all. I'll, I'll get that in a minute. But she does go for help. She's got no, no ID, no phone. She can't drive her car. All that shit's in the house. But she escapes through this window in the basement. And she's like, I got to go get the cops. So she goes to the cops and she try and she tells them exactly what's going on, and they don't believe her. They're like, "Yeah, whatever, I'm sure." And she's like, "No, I was held captive in this basement. It's very serious. They have they have another person there. Then they're going to kill. You need to come with me, and we need to- someone is already dead. We have to go. And we have to deal with it." And the cops don't listen to her. They go out with her to the place, and she's like, look, we have to get into this building. They're like, we can't get into this building. We don't have a warrant. She's like, I'm telling you, there is a person being held against his will down there, and he's going to die. You have to break into this house. And the police are like, no, no. We think you're on drugs. We think you're hysterical. We don't want to deal with this. And then they get a phone call about a shooting, and they're like, you know what? We're out of here. Not a phone call. right? You know what I mean. Over the ban- over the police dispatch thing, and so they leave. So she gets an idea that she's going to, she's gonna. So she realizes she's gonna have to save this guy on her own. Now, she really shouldn't have done this because, now to be fair, she didn't know what he was doing, which is that he had actually ended up finding the creepy old serial rapist in his in his dying catacombs where he jerks off to uh to his pa- to videotapes of his past crimes and uh, he has actually gotten his hands on a gun from meeting this man and ironically her return to save him actually probably endangers them both because he accidentally shoots her in a panic she she lives but she's got a she's got a she's got a gut wound didn't kill her e- instantly or anything she doesn't appear to be bleeding out. But she does have a gut wound, and now they got to run, and they're being hunted through a neighborhood at night by this crazed mutant. They get, res- they get rescued by a, by a homeless man and taken to his place. And he, he's... Con- and at this point, Justin Long's character is finally, having, having experienced this sexual trauma, he is starting to have realizations he's starting to have he's starting to realize that he's not a good person and he's starting to have this sort of like breakthrough and he's there's a moment where you think he's gonna go for where you think he's gonna do the right thing where it sounds like he's starting to get it together the truth is is he can't get it together fast enough. 
They're hiding out with the homeless guy. And, and he's like, he's starting to think that he's got to go out there with the gun and maybe kill this thing or go for help because otherwise this woman's going to bleed out. And the home, and the homeless man is like, no, man, you can't go out there. We're safe in here. Don't do that. And the girl, Georgina's character, g- goes, well, hold on. How do you know we're safe in here? And begins to raise concerns that maybe they're not safe in there. And the black man, I'm sorry, the, the homeless black man is like, no, no, no. We're fine. It's not important that he's black. Uh, we're fine in here. We're fine in here. I've been living here for years and she, for decades, and she's never, ever broken in here. We're going to be okay. And uh, everyone, and of course, moments after he says this, moments, moments after he dismisses a woman's concerns, the monster breaks through the wall and beats him to death with his own arm. This, of course, interrupts Justin Long's opportunity to recognize the faults of his character and correct them they run like idiots they run up to the top of a water tower which actually wouldn't be that bad of an idea if justin long wasn't such a butterfingers and once again drops the gun he drops the gun multiple times in the movie in a panic in fact this movement this moment is probably foreshadowed in the fact that there are a few other times where he drops a weapon or something that he uses to protect himself in a panic they get to the tower they're stuck up there she's wounded and he thinks to himself and in and in his state of of panic in his state of self-preservation he decides the only way that he is going to live is to throw georgina's character off the water tower somehow knowing that the monster will chase her off the tower. And she does. She does chase her off the tower. But you see, that's the point. Justin Long's character may not be the fucking terrible, horrific monster that lived in that basement and created this mutant through years of horrific cruelty and rape, but he has a little bit of barbarian in him. Because when the chips are down, when it's all going to hell around him, he chooses self-interest every time. When he wants something, he only worries about how it affects him. He is capable of being concerned for other human beings when the pressure is not on. But when the pressure is on and the chips are down, he fucking chooses him. He is the barbarian. He may not be the barbarian that kidnapped women for decades and raped them in a basement to create a mutant baby monster. But he's still someone who in the moment always chooses himself. And in the end, that's what makes him a barbarian. That's what makes him uncivilized. It's easy to be civilized when life is easy. But when the chips were down, he chose to be barbaric. I know that, of course, you've seen the movie, so I'm not. So you know, of course, that Georgina's character actually survives because inexplicably the monster is able to catch her midair and cushion her fall with her own body. Which the monster survives long enough to tear Justin Long's head in half. Georgina, of course, ultimately escapes and survives. The monster is ultimately killed. It's a horror movie that I don't want a sequel to. Because it would ruin it. This story is, is concise and its subtext is strong. A series of sequels that focused on, I don't know this monster somehow surviving being shot in the head or maybe the horrible actions of the the monster the monster that looks like a human being in the basement would be a series of film but honestly it's better this way i thought barbarian was was great um it's definitely one of the scariest movies i've seen 
I don't know if it'd be scary the second time because, like I said, a lot of the most effective horror did for me did come from just the Hulk, um, just from the not knowing where the terror is coming from, not knowing where the danger is is about to approach from. So I don't know if it'll be as scary the second time, but it's it is also a movie that made me think. I know it makes you think too because the movie is touching on some important issues of like why it's scary, essentially why it's scary to be a woman because why men are scary is because we, it's not possible for women. Like we like to think that you can tell who the good and bad guys are, you know, but for, for the first quarter of this movie, you spend your son. We're sitting around being scared of Bill Skarsgård's character, waiting for him to do something terrible to this woman. Now it turns out he's innocent, and pays the horrible price of death for not listening to a woman's legitimate concerns. But until that moment, until the moment where the monster comes up and smashes his head open on the wall, there was always a part of me that was like. He's fucking in on it. He's just as scary as every other man in this movie. Now, it turned out he wasn't. And the movie gives us some ambiguity at the beginning with Justin Long's character. Until eventually, until eventually, of course, we do understand his situation and the things that he has done. And there's a brief moment of hope that maybe he will become a better person. But if you've been paying attention to the themes of the events, if you've picked up and what the film is trying to tell us about his character, then we know he's going to die. Partly because it's a horror movie with a small set number of characters, so you know most of them are going to die. Where was I going with this? The point is, is the Barbarian is really good, and I do recommend it. Uh, and I'll probably record a little bit of extra here that, <laughs> that I'm going to add into the before the commercial part, where I, I will just address um, the possible... Why Barbarian might not be suitable for all audiences. I mean, it's rated R, so you should know. But, like, I don't know. I feel like you should be warned that a movie is going to be heavily about uh, sexual violence. Even though there is there is not a ton of sexual violence on on camera. Well, except for the, the sexual violence that occurs to Justin Long's character when the uh, the monster force breastfeeds him. Uh, but thematically and storytelling wise, but like thematically and what the film is about subtext wise is very, very much about that kind of stuff. Wait, did I mention before that Justin Long's character was someone who was accused of sexual assault in the non-spoiler part? I don't remember. I'm going to record the bit anyway so I can decide and edit it. All right, anyways, well, thank you for listening. <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you enjoyed uh, my commentary here, and I hope that uh, you enjoy uh, the movies. Uh, if, you, if you choose to watch them, I, I definitely – I hope you watch them. I, ho- I hope if you're listening to this part, it means you watch them. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs>